The following is a production of Casually Hardcore and Versus the World Productions. www.vtwproductions.com All right, our first guest is a writer, actor, extraordinaire, and just awesome dude, Will Wheaton! All right, our last guest, but not least, is the creator of the guild, the writer of the guild, and just a great person, Felicia Day! Wow. A lot of people. Hi, guys, how's it going? A lot of people. Hello? Oh, hi. How's it going? It's a lot Hi. of people out there. Thank you for coming, you guys. All right. Well, I want to start off with some quotes from the latest season of The Guild. And I watched the whole season again. Uh, these were the funniest ones I saw. Dungeon Prisoner Pale. Life is PvP. I risked a lot being out here. You know, the sun and all. And Digital Waterboarding. That's my favorite. <laughs> Um, what, what would you like me to say about those? What, what inspired these? Oh, boy. I just come up with weird things all the time. That's brilliant. Um, Dungeon Prisoner Pale is because probably somebody referred to me as that. Really? Well, whenever I go to conventions, um, people on Twitter, they, they will always say I'm <clears throat> either smaller <clears throat> than they thought, which I don't understand that, but um, that's cool. And, but especially, she's much paler in person. Like, that's a shocking thing. It's kind of what I'm known for. That's um, sort of like the goth calling the kettle white. It really is. It's another quote for season, next season. That's a good, I'll steal that. <laughs> you heard it here first, like Phoenix Comic Con. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you know, when I, when I come up with lines, it's usually based on um, whatever that character would say. So, um, you know, the life is PvP was, uh, was, was great. Was born because that was supposed to be a flirtation on this very, misty, you know, kind of. That's just how Fox flirts with people. He's so charming. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that that was kind of funny. You know, somebody actually the other day mentioned, was like, well, why did you uh, have Fox uh, PvP, that's player versus player? Were you just doing that for the non-gamers? I'm like, no, because he was being a D-bag. Because <laughs> clearly I was Something know. apparently the person who was talking to you lacked their self-familiarity. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, so all of those things, you know, when I, when I do a pass at the script, uh, a lot of those funny phrases come after I've done all the, the groundwork for the season. So, uh, you know, and then it's, it's hard to do the whole script and, and have funny lines here and there. So you do kind of a rough draft and then you punch it up. So when we punch do, uh, yeah, some of them come out of improvs when we're doing the t- table reads and then some of them come from uh, Jeff Lewis sending over a funny line. There are a couple this next season that just make me laugh so hard that can't, we came up with uh, um, after the table read. So, um, yeah, it's always, you know, a contribution or I have just weird, you know, like, like I said, weird Twitters. Have you started production on the fourth season already? We just finished, actually. That's oh. why I lost my voice a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And, uh, uh, yeah, we just finished on Tuesday. We have a couple days to pick up uh, here and there. Um, but excited to announce that Will Wheaton is going to be back. Woo! 
funny, very funny stuff this season with uh, Will, and uh, I don't, I can't spoil. I'm not going to spoil anything, but um, he's a very funny man, and uh, don't tell him. But uh, it'll go straight to his head. It does. God. He's already insufferable. Exactly. You could literally see a skull inflate. It's uh, almost a physical, physical uh, optical illusion. So yeah, we just finished on Tuesday, and uh, we're gonna get ready to uh, start editing when I get back. And um, we don't have a, a release date yet, so uh, but it's gonna be sometime in July before Comic Con, uh, San Diego Comic Con. Um, and just follow our Facebook or Twitter or our website to get the exact date. We'll be rolling out on Xbox and MSN. Rock on. Yeah. Now, Will, how do you feel about being the greatest bad guy since Q from Next Generation? Well, um, I don't think I'm that good. Uh, uh, it's really fun to play this douchey nemesis uh, bad guy guy. Um, I, I sort of do that a lot now. Um, you do yeah. so well. <laughs> the, uh, Which is funny because you're nice. Like, yeah. you're like generally nice. I remember when Felicia asked me if I, would, you know, if I wanted to be in the guild, and I was like, yeah, can you make me a douchebag? <laughs> I wanted request. to play. I wanted to play that character, because um, I had had a really good time playing a character like that on Numbers, and I'd had a, a really good time playing a character like that in a stage show. And it's the greatest joy of being an actor is creating a, a person that I am not, and getting to like experience life as that person. And uh, we actually did a. a we 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 did the. Uh, you know the the talking to the what do you call that? We're talking the webcam about stuff. Webcam, yeah, webcam stuff. So stuff. so we were shooting Fox's webcam stuff, and because it's just like this, I didn't put on the kilt that day. I was just like in. I, mean, I know someone went oh, uh, so I was just in my jeans. And Sean Becker, the director, said, "Are you sure you don't want to put on the kilt?" And I was like, "No, no, I'm fine." And it took me forever to get into Fox that day. Usually I'm like into Fox on the first line, and it took like six or seven takes to find the right uh, rhythm for him. And apparently, uh, uh, Fox's douchiness power actually comes from the kilt. It's coming from air in the middle region, just flowing. Just yeah. flowing I, I almost, I thought, well, maybe I could just take off my pants and sit here without my pants on. No, sir. But then Fox would be very different. Be really awesome. <laughs> A lot of my real life would start bleeding into the character there. And we... <laughs> Because you sit around with no pants on all, all the time. Foxes start playing Atari. Oh, right. weird. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question then. Uh, whose idea was it to have Fox be very calm and polite? Not so much polite, but coy when you first meet up with him. Like, he's just stating facts. He doesn't actually get angry. He doesn't get... He's calculative. I mean, that was always my idea that he was a, kind of a militant anarchist. You know, a, a real leader is the kind of person who could silence a room with a whisper, not a yell. So um, that's why Bruiser was there as a foil. Like, he was the loud guy. Um, but to me, it's always the power is in the person who can quietly um, tell everybody, get your stuff together. And uh, I think he sort of sees himself like Michael Corleone. <laughs> really? But he's more like uh, Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. <laughs> Awesome. There's a lot of layers to Fox. We had a lot. We we talked about about him a lot before we started season four, mm -hmm. and we it was I had I had built this really like lots and lots and lots of subtext uh, just to because I that's how I amuse myself, 
And, <laughs> and, and I kept coming back to the stuff you told me in season three. Yeah. That he, you know, is one of those people that can just silence a room with a whisper and things yeah. like that. No, it's really... Well, there's some fun stuff he gets to do next season. I'm not going to spoil it, you guys. But very excited to see everybody um, see the repercussions of what happened last season. Yeah. Now, you've mastered the cliffhanger. Because I, uh, I watched the third season, and I got to watch it as I was going, but I'm usually not caught up. Like, Lost doesn't affect me ever. When I was watching the Gills, like, oh, I need to watch the next episode. <laughs> Especially the episode, I forget the number, forgive me, where... Um, the guy comes out who's a cop, a police officer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Blades. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Blades is getting in trouble. And he's like, oh, he's a police officer. He's like, hey, welcome from the... Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Oh, he's thank like, you. And so is that your editing or is that somebody else that edits that? Uh, oh, is, oh, I don't edit the episodes. Sean Becker, the director um, for the last... Uh, for season two, three, and now four. Um, he, he's the editor. I but like, yeah, as I far as the writing goes, yeah, you know, um, it's very important, I think, in web series to keep people wanting... Uh, if you're doing a web series with continuing storylines you want to have people want to see what happens next because uh, some of the problem with web series is that people are so distracted on the internet even if they love a show they'll forget to go watch an episode so you do want to leave people in my mind wanting more because that's how if I was watching a show I would want to do that so yeah it's very important to have the right cliffhangers and sometimes they change around but usually I do write to a cliffhanger um, and that one particular uh, was definitely we wrote to it and uh, it was just so funny my god uh, um, uh, Vince who plays Blades literally could not keep a straight face and to the point where I was like annoyed at him I'm like okay it was funny the first ten times but now and then, but then, then the guy playing Bruiser Teddy would do something a little bit different and just crack him up again and crack everybody up. So, um, yeah. This is a pretty common problem on the set of the Guild. We're all uh, comedians, like very unprofessional. Mo- mo- <laughs> most of us uh, have all worked together uh, at the Acme Comedy Theater at one point or another, yeah. and it just becomes this meta game of let's enter, you know, let's make each other laugh. Yeah, yeah. And on looser days, it's really fun because we can get like just riff forever, especially with Vork and Zabu. Yeah. When they're in that office, like it's just crazy. It's crazy times. Like we could just do a whole other episode of just outtakes because uh, people fool around a lot. But we do. You should send Vork and Zabu off on like a Martin and Lewis road comedy. Oh, that'd be brilliant. You know, we were. I had the idea that they uh, they you would get in that van and, and do something weird. Yeah. You remember the Vork the Vork van, the weird. But we had <laughs> due to um, location issues, since we're very low budget, nobody wanted to keep that van in their driveway, so we <laughs> gave it away. We we were like, get rid of it. <laughs> you could have sold no, it's cool. We gave minutes. it to a guy in a clown suit and a lot of candy. Um, so he was Which like, I need home. to have a place to put my candy. It's like really oh, good well, home. Yeah. Yeah. You could have sold that on eBay and funded the uh, fourth season by itself. Um, we were thinking about that, but we looked into it, and the, the, the charity rules for vehicles, there's liability. It was like, oh, business, let's just get rid of it. Nice. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> at a certain point, my boyfriend's like, get that business. thing out of the driveway. <laughs> we don't want it to leak. Yeah. <laughs> All right, is there anything else you guys want to talk about the guild? Maybe promote anything about season four that you can tell us about? I mean, no, just that Will's coming back. Um, I mean, there's lots of, I really, we've we got a lot of really fun things. Um, going on this season. It's going to be a different kind of season. It's, uh, the storylines are a little bit more quirky and uh, there's some really fun character actors who come in and 
Uh, I mean, every season I always want to do something different. So last season was super over dramatic, which I really thought fit, and uh, the stakes were really high uh, for the integrity of the guild. And this next season, I wanted to give the characters a little bit of a break and see them live a little bit, um, and just you know have, have a little more light-hearted uh, attitude. And I really think it came out well. There's some performances. Um, especially by some characters you haven't seen in the forefront before, just crack me up so much. So I'm really excited for people to see it. Okay, uh, Q and A, then, guys. Ready for some Q and A? Yeah. All right. Let's go to Q and A. Hi, Q and A. Hi. And why is it so low? It's like made for children. Okay. Thank you. Creating addictions one person at a time. Um, what is it like for, like, how did you come up with the whole idea for the do you want to date my avatar, like, whole thing? Like, how did you write out that song, and how did you have that creative process of doing the whole geeky thing in the codex form rather than in the sit form? Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, you know, that was, that was one of the privileges of doing things on the web. Like, we work with very low budgets, and we generally, like, have to scramble and scrimp everything we do. Um, but the fun thing is that we have, uh, Microsoft is really a great partner. Like, nobody else would allow me to just call up on a whim and be like, hey, guys, I don't have a song, but I kind of have this idea that we're going to be dressed as our avatars, and I'll do a music video with it. Can you pay for that? And they're totally cool with it. They were 100% behind it. They don't ever supervise, you know, uh, micromanage what we do on the show. They really give us the freedom to do, you know, what we want because they trust that we're putting 100% into it. So um, it's just a real privilege to partner up with Xbox and Sprint this uh, season again because I don't think anybody else has, you know, the, the, the leeway that we have on the show. Um, so, uh, as far as the Date by Avatar video, we have an artist, um, Jeff Carlisle, who is a comic book artist and also an artist in his own, you know, just amazing uh, person. And he volunteered for the show, like, very early on. And he said, I'm going to make you a picture to sell at conventions. And um, he put us all in our Avatar outfits. Uh, all of us, our heads on the Avatar outfits. And, you know, fan, you know, people just were like, oh my god, this is great. And they loved it. And I said, oh, that would be really cool if we ever had, you know, the budget or the idea to kind of put ourselves in these costumes, um, which is expensive to build the costumes. You know, everybody who has built a costume knows it takes a lot of uh, time and effort. So it had to be the right idea to get that happening. And um, I was in the middle of writing season three, which is kind of tough um, because there's so many characters I was juggling. And I would listen to really bad playlists of like, um, you know, new shoes and, uh, you know, Baby Got Back. Yeah. Whoop, there it is. Like every bad, you know, terrible, terrible... Uh, thing ever. Don't look at me like that. Anyway. Why would you do that to yourself? Because I love it. Tonight at the Geek Prom, I'm t if the playlist does not have every single one of those songs, I'm taking over. <laughs> Sir Mix-a-Lot, I mean, it has to happen. It has to be terrible. You're going to dance too. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, basically, I had this idea that, oh, maybe I'll do like a music video. And I just uh, came up with the title, just randomly, Do You Want to Date My Avatar? And for some reason, um, that just kind of just spurred the creative you know, juices. And you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Creating is very difficult. And that's why people stop a lot, because they, uh, 
they, uh, they, they feel like, oh, this should be easy, this should be flowing, and that's not how being creative is. It's like lightning striking if something comes to you like that. So um, that just happened to be, and I emailed Jed on a whim. I was like, you probably don't want to do this because you're busy and cool, but you want to write this kind of geeky song with me, and he was in, and I sent him you know, the first stanza and the lyrics, and he reworked it a little bit and sent me back the chorus. And I was like, this is going to be huge. So I, I don't know why. I just knew that people would enjoy it. Uh, and you just have, sometimes you have that blind faith, like this is really going to go well. So every step of the way was very difficult on our budget, and it was favors all around as usual. But, um, you know, it was just that feeling, like this is so much fun to do. And uh, that's how it came to be. Uh, so I'm just really everybody glad, glad that everybody enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making of it and the idea. It was a really long answer. I promise I'll shut up. <laughs> I'm known for being long-winded. Yeah. Who has date my avatar in their head right now? Whoa, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it was that or whoop, there it is. So. It's a good song. And not all of us are writing right now. Kylie Minogue. Kylie, Kylie Minogue has to happen tonight, too. Really? Yes. I'm very... Don't you want people to come? They're going to have a great time. Everybody, come on. Everybody loves those kind of songs, right? Thank you. Well, there's some silent people. Whatever. Hi, uh, this question's for Will. Uh, yeah, I've grown up watching you over time on uh, TV, movies, uh, what have you. And uh, you had mentioned that you've been a, a really big badass in some other movies. This was the first time I'd ever seen you as a badass at all. And uh, I've built up this really nice, nice world inside of me, and you kind of, uh, it's the first time I heard you swear so frivolously and so efficiently. Uh, how does it feel to have smashed that new world inside of you? Wow. I need to wipe his tears away. I'm not going to lie to you, Moon Pie. It feels pretty good. My question is for Alicia. <laughs> yeah. We've seen aspects of the characters in normal life outside of the games via uh, their homes, uh, their family members, like Zabu's crazy mom. Um, will we ever learn anything else about Tink outside the game? Um, good question. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Tink is deliberately mysterious um, because everybody knows somebody online that literally you don't know anything about and they like it that way and that's kind of her modest apparande. Um, I, one, at one point in season two I wrote in her name and a little bit of her backstory but I cut it out because I was like, it's too much. It's too much. She needs to be more mysterious. But it is my intention to sort of unveil that a little bit. And I wanted to do it in the comic book a little bit more, but um, I quickly learned that comic books have very little room. And uh, thus my 44-page <laughs> script becoming 22 pages with many tears. <laughs> so, um, you know, I have a lot. Uh, there's a lot to explore a lot more there. Um, and it'll just ha ha come in some iteration um, in future seasons. But it's definitely on my mind to, to give her her moment. But she's, you know... It, to be organic with her, she wouldn't just necessarily open up. It'd have to be some kind of outside pressure or really her getting more comfortable being in the guild and being an open person within the confines of that. So um, it's definitely in the back of my mind. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
Speaking of fan and both, both of you guys were, I was really uh, psyched when I heard you, you were going to work together in, uh, in season three. I was wondering if you could, uh, I'm sure you've told the story before, but if you could tell the story of how you guys ended up uh, working together. Did you write the part with, with Will in mind, or? Um, I always had an idea that I was going to um, write a, a rival guild in. That was a long time, even before, uh, when I first started season two writing. And I knew there had to be a guild leader, obviously. And then I went to <clears throat> Penny Arcade Expo in, um, in, in 2008, I believe. Um, and I saw all these gamers in kilts. And I was like, this is weird. Guys, <laughs> what's going on with the kilt thing? And it was somehow a little bit alluring, but disturbing. And uh, so I was like, well, that guy has to be in a kilt. Um, and then um, Kim Evie, my producer, knows Will very well, and I had met Will. At Kim and I used to write together at Acme. Yeah, and she was like, "You got, we got to put Will." You know, she, it was, it wasn't, it was kind of like a thing. Like I would really like to find a place for Will in this, but I never want to just like, because people know Will outside of, you know, he's a, he's sort of a name. He's a, he's known as Will Wheaton. Oh, stop it. He, yeah. <clears throat> um, so and, and and like for me, I never like to see. Having people having cameos unless it's really a role that they can play versus like hey it's uh, so and so playing a character on that so it was important to me to really get an idea of um, who who this character was outside of you know the actor bringing their name to it so when I sat down with him at a very expensive coffee shop in L.A. Oh, it was the most expensive douchiest coffee shop in the world nine dollars a cup or something yeah and in the menu it says this is where you can experience the the, the purest Pure purest es essence of the bean the, the coffee's intention is drawn from deep within the bean wow you memorized it <laughs> I, well it made an impression on me very they even like, like they were like this milk is specially formulated for maximum it's maximum foaming, foaming. <laughs> Um, so I took him to this fancy place, and I tried to persuade him, and he had some ideas, so did he brought... Well, persuading me was as, about as difficult as, hey, do you want to work on the guild? I like Because I was already a fan of the guild. I was a fan of Felicia's because I had seen her perform at Acme, uh, and Kim had asked me, you know that Kim asked me, like, before she asked you? Oh, really? Kim said, listen, I think, I want to talk to Felicia, but before I tell Felicia, maybe you might, guys might want to work together... Are you cool with that? Oh, it's that's like, nice. And I was like, yes. <laughs> she didn't know if you'd go in a rage and throw things against the wall. Or right, yeah. right. No, no I saved my rage face for a very specific number of things. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so, and then we came together, and, and he was, and you said you wanted to play kind of a jerk. Yeah. A, a, a sort of jerk. Yeah. And, uh, and then I had the idea, well, this guy's an intellectual. He's an intellectual jerk, which is uh, kind of interesting. We don't normally see something like that. And it's sort of formulated. So it was kind of a great amalgam of like, uh, you know, people knowing each other, uh, being in the same world, uh, in, being interested, and then just kind of formulating a character that really stood apart that would be like, uh, oh, I only see that character on screen versus like somebody I know from outside the show. And he embodied it perfectly. Awesome, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, my question my question is for um, Felicia. Uh, I really like the locations, especially in the first season, and how is it to take people that were really involved in the digital world and then try to manifest the area that they would actually live in in real life? Was it difficult? Was it difficult to create their like production value, like the houses they lived in? Yeah, or even just like how did you do the um, locations and the sets and make it match up so well? So it was our houses. 
it's still our houses. Um, Claire's office is actually my office. That's where I uh, do my all my interneting and my writing. Um, and uh, Tink's room is uh, the spare bedroom in my house. And uh, Blades's garage is my, uh, my garage. And Vork's office is my shed. So the only location that isn't in my house is um, is uh, my house, which is really stupid. So I have to commute to go to my own house on the show. True story. Um, yeah, we just basically had to work with what we had. And the cool thing is that I have crazy color schemes, so every room was different. And to create those initial bedrooms, you know, we, we sat down with the director and like, okay, my, in my mind that this character, I mean, like, if you see Tink's room and that, that, that picture on the wall behind her, um, that's actually a piece of $2 wrapping paper. And my boyfriend and I downloaded a tattoo uh, thing from the internet and drew it on with Sharpie. So that's how the guild rolls. That is a $2 handmade uh, painting behind her, and it works perfectly. So it just goes to show you that you don't have to have crazy money to do production values. Like, I just took stuffed animals, and uh, and I went to Target and bought, like, something on sale that was bright pink and put it in there. And uh, Claire's office, you know, that's my office, so that was a little bit more set. Um, but we just grabbed something in the house that looked pretty, and Kim would bring stuff over from her house to make it look pretty. And uh, Blaze's garage was actually um, free cycle. I would check, and then, um, uh, like, 7 a.m. the day before we started shooting, some guy was like, lots of electronics on the curb, come get. Um, and I drove 70 miles to go to Simi Valley to go to that curb and picked up myself uh, VCRs and uh, old microwaves and stuff and just um, put them in my car and we smashed them up and put them all around blades. And uh, literally every single thing that's in those things is, was done like that for almost no money at all. So um, it just goes to show you that you don't have to spend a lot of money to make something look good uh, on camera. You just have to have an imagination and, uh, and just work with what you have. And I found as a writer that having limitations forces me to be creative in ways that I wouldn't ordinarily be. Mm -hmm. And we have had moments on the Guild where we just, you know, we, don't, we can't afford whatever. And it makes us work in a certain way. And um, I'm, I'm, I can't, no specifics mm -hmm. about uh, season four, but there were times where we were like, oh, we need to do it this way for, you know, this series of reasons. Mm -hmm. And it ends up making the scene better. Yeah, you just work. Um, I, uh, I there's a there's a story that I heard. Um, I was I got to uh, tour some of Lucas uh, stuff up in San Francisco one time, um, and uh, I heard a story about a um, uh, uh, pieces of of costume um, and and some props. And it turns out that they had so little money on that, and uh, George Lucas had to put his own money in to actually finish the film. And that's how he got. I mean, it was a lot of business things. But essentially, they had so little money that they would take Dixie cups and spray paint them to make costume and prop pieces because they had no money. And that's Star Wars, guys. So, and, the, and that's like the biggest thing that ever existed ever. So there are Dixie Cups on screen. And that's it, and just, I think it's a, a fantastic story and it's so inspiring every day because if you think, oh gosh, I, I can't do this. I can't go to this location. Well, you just have to make it work and, with what you have because at the end of the day, it's about the characters and just um, trying to make it as best as you can on the budget that you have. And the Dixie Cup shoots first.
Um, and my question is, uh, have you ever been approached by any studio to make this more of a fleshed out uh, TV show, a long ongoing TV show? Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, um, yeah, but why would you want to? It's awesome the well, way that I mean, it's awesome where and how it is. I mean, I really enjoy it the way it is. I don't have to be under the right circumstances and uh, in the right uh, type of stories. It'd be much different from what we do. We do kind of a serial movie in a sense because we don't release every single week. And um, you know, the characters are great, and it would just have to be the right you know time, the right place. Um, and I really enjoy what we do now. I mean, we make a ton more money, <laughs> and we have trailers, and we have. I mean, it would be very different. Um, and it's not something that I would automatically say no to. Most of the studios who approached us early on to partner up to do the show just wanted to keep it on the web. And we kind of didn't agree to do that early on because we were like, well, what have you done that's, uh, that's on the web that has been more successful than what we're doing just on our own right now? And that's why partnering up with Microsoft was like the, the, the dream thing because they have Xbox consoles and they can f uh, bring millions of new people to the show that, that you know, a, a traditional studio in the online world couldn't do. Um, so that's why it's it's kind of perfect the way it is, even though we do struggle sometimes. Um, so you know, I I haven't really had a studio or a network like say, hey, we want to develop this into a TV show um, because it probably I'm kind of famous for saying no <laughs> to that. But um, I certainly wouldn't um, turn it down if I had the idea and the right stories and everything. But the the thing is that we have the power to do the show no matter what now, and it's such a great power because we're directly supported by people. So like you you know you guys every single person we meet is like every click every time you send it with your, on through email to a friend and somebody is like hey I really like that show like that's something that no other show I think has um, in in the in the position we have now so to give that up um, just to jump you know to TV um, is it something that that's that's our our ultimate aim I just want to do the show where it's appropriate for the stories that we want to tell and wherever that is there's also a bureaucracy that gets involved if you become like in the studio system yeah and, it could and, never and, get and made with, and with a network and uh, we have a we had a scene together okay spoiler alert Codex and Fox have a scene together in season four um, so so um, we were we were uh, uh, and, and, and we were running that scene yeah that, that morning and it was you know it's a, it, was, it was a good scene but it just I remember we, we both felt like this, I was like, oh, the right, the if we move this off. here and we move this there, like all yeah. the lines were there, they were just kind of in the wrong order. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, done, here, let's go, now we'll shoot it this way. And if we had been on a network show, oh, no, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. No. I mean, it would have been like, well, we'll shoot it both ways, and then they'll use the wrong way, and then and we have to get it approved by 70 people. Or we'll just do it just because we're the, the volume at which, in this case, we have to do TV because they yeah. put out so much product. Um, and you have to like get it approved. So we have, we have the creative nimbleness to be able to just kind of like make things better on the spot and have everybody contribute, um, which is really fun. So it's just two different worlds, really. And until you know the stories run out for the web, you know, I don't, I don't see you know much of a chance of that uh, jumping or whatever. I don't know. All right. Thank you. Thank you. familiar with Will's background of uh, vast gaming experience, thanks to his blog and his writing. I'm less familiar with yours, unfortunately. So I just was curious, when you were creating the characters originally and as the seasons went on, how much was inspired by your own experience dealing with geeks and gamers, and how much of it was just, oh, I think this character would be really cool, so I'll create him that way. 
Um, the, the characters aren't based on real people. I guess um, Tinkerbella is the only one who's mildly inspired by my old raid leader in WoW. She's this beautiful, you know, adorable Asian girl who just like tear into you. Like, what are you guys doing? You're supposed to bring stone skin eel pots. Blah, 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 you know, just like going postal trying to. And this was back when there was like 40 man raids. So it was like immense pressure and coordination and preparation you had to do to do these things. It was really a full time job. So, um, you know, m really not the same, but just mildly inspired. And the, of course, Codex is inspired by my own gaming experience because I was really like playing 10 hours a day for a while there. Um, but other than that, you know, Vork and Zabu, I created those characters for those actors because um, we would do improv together and I, they would just crack me up no matter, what I, no matter what I did on stage, which is so unprofessional, but whatever. And, um, uh, and then for Clara, you know, the, I had just seen people being parents and hearing kids screaming in the background when I played online and everybody has, heard, everybody has had that experience if you do online game. But the thing is, you know, most people think about gaming in such a narrow f way that it's just teenage boys, like, you know, playing. Uh, and it's not true. There's, there's just everybody, um, there's a, just such a more interesting cross-section of people who enjoy playing uh, socially online or just, like, playing by themselves online. And, um, and I would, really wanted to kind of uh, fill that cast of characters out in an authentic way. So that when gamers is, you know, some people are like, oh, it's so cliched, those characters. I'm like, no, it's only cliched to somebody who plays eight hours a day. <laughs> So that's the cool thing, is that people can identify with those characters, but um, you know they're not necessarily the cliche you think when you think about a gamer. Thank you very much. Thank you. Speaking of games, are you guys having works for a guild game? My what? Any works for a guild game? Oh, a guild game? Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I, I haven't really... Um, you know, just doing the comic on top of doing the seasons was a lot of work. Uh, it would be, you know, doing a game um, requires years of development, really. Games are, that's why they're so secretive, and, and it takes a long time to create a video game. So it would have to be something that was very long-term planning, and uh, I don't know, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, I think it would be something I'd have to collaborate with uh, Microsoft on to do. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, we're still a small operation. It's still just me and my producer running the whole show. So um, it just has to be within our uh, capacity to do something else with the show. I'd probably become addicted to my own game, which would be sad. This question is for Felicia. So Do You Want to Take My Avatar is one of the four songs I've actually paid for in the past 10 years. All right. Love to hear that. Thank you. My question is, is there any chance of you making even more music and possibly a CD or like something that you could release online that was music either inspired by or that is associated with the game? Dude, you totally need to do a Stacey Q album. I love Stacey Q. You could, you could make the sideways ponytail. You could rock that. You know, uh, she was one of the inspirations for Day by Avatar. When I was studying, um, you know, singers. You're studying 80s pop music? I was studying 80s pop. I was studying um, girls who did, because I, I don't watch music videos. So in order to act that character of Codex in Date My Avatar, which was one of the hardest acting challenges I've ever had, because I've never acted like that before. Um, it was, I watched thousands of, you know, not probably, that, well, maybe, uh, a lot of videos. And I was like, God, these girls are slutty. I had no idea, honestly, guys. I had no idea. Did you um, watch Samantha Fox? 
Sir, 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 Samantha Fox. No, but I like to hear you say that. That's kind of creepy. I think she was the quintessential slutty 80s singer. Oh, why did I watch those? No, I watched a lot of Gaga. No, we'll, we'll go over it later. I love Lady Gaga. Anywho, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's just a question of time. Like, I am totally overextended as it is, and uh, that's why The Guild Season 4 is a little, like, a month and a half late, because I, I went off and did a sci-fi movie um, where I killed werewolves, which was fun, but it's kind of sidetracked everything. Yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to see that. It's a much different role than what I usually do. Um, and, you know, I would really like to do more music. I really enjoy singing. It's just a question of scheduling. Like, I'm literally, like, I can't see you until July and when, in emails. I mean, I really am over capacity in a way that I can't really keep up with. Um, but, you know, the goal would be to do more music. It's interesting that you say that. You know, I've had that compliment a lot with, uh, this is the first MP3 I've actually bought. And I love that. But I have to tell you, like, there is nothing. Um, and I tended to, you know, maybe bar acquire music, maybe not legally before. But there's nothing like seeing your own work pirated <laughs> that makes you so enraged. Like, dude, this is 99 cents. Why is this on this torrent site? Like, I got so angry. And it kind of reformed me to doing that sort of thing. Because, you know, I know how hard we worked <laughs> to do that. And when I see people stealing it, I'm like, I hate your face, you know. <laughs> it, 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 Dear internet, Felicia Day hates your face. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah. My best will. P.S. I also hate your face. Hi. First of all, I want to say I love you, Felicia Day. You're amazing. Thank you. Dude, I'm sitting right here. I know the nerve. The nerve. It's okay, he's, he's so blind to you, Will. It's okay. Do we... Oh, no, this is sad. Will, come back. He, he kind of looked at you a little bit. Hi, sorry I'm late. <laughs> I, I was just going to get out of the way so you guys could have your talk. Oh, no, he left. Wait, the, I, I, you, you asked me how to answer your question because you just got made fun of a lot by everybody. Um, do I play online games still? Um, well, uh, over January, when I was thinking about season four, I did some research time. This is so great. <laughs> and I got my priest to 80 with the help of our fan. Yeah. My, uh, I can't tell you her name or you'll find out where I, I play, but uh, she's, a, she's a dwarf priest. She's a sexy, sexy lady. <laughs> I have a picture of her. Um, she had like back cellulite. I don't know why WoW would put that in a lady. Uh, so you turn her around. If you look at my Flickr account, there's a back... Uh, very unattractive. Anyway, uh, it's not a good. It's not a good look wearing the, the lady tunic on a dwarf, but uh, just that's a fashion tip for WoW players. Um, so I did that, and then I couldn't log. I haven't logged on in a couple months because I've been so incredibly busy. I uh, I am drooling at all the Cataclysm news. Um, so that's sad. You guys, it's gonna be good. You can fly, flying to Southshore. How how awesome is that gonna be? Anyway, um, sidetrack. I've been playing Dragon Age. Uh, if you would watch on my Twitter, 
kind of obsessed with that game. I should have run off with Liliana, but I didn't. I met a game dick. Told you. I know, but it was like, she looks so similar to me. It seemed weird, because my character looks like me too, so it was like me making out with me. Yeah, that's awful. I'm just saying what everyone's thinking, Felicia. Gotcha. Anyway, I finished that, and uh, I'm moving on. I got Mass Effect, uh, which is amazing. I expect you. Still, uh, still got still to bet a couple people on that game. <laughs> and uh, I just got Red Dead Redemption. And I, No, you guys, listen. Listen, you have to kill bunnies. I got to that point, and I really almost started crying. I was like, this is too realistic. Make them like, uh, you know, uh, zombie bunnies, and I'll kill 50,000 of them. But for some reason, they're so realistic looking. I feel guilty, and I don't know if I can go back. Have you, uh, have you accidentally killed your horse yet? What? I, <laughs> Listen, it's going to happen. Uh, no! I'm this gonna... is, I just want, I'm going to prepare you for this. I could kill it, but with a Pegasus. Sooner or later. <laughs> That's a funny thing. Sooner or later, you're going to accidentally oh, kill your horse. I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. And, and, and you're going to feel like the biggest asshole in the world when you do it. I was on my horse, and I was, uh, there were cougars, uh, right? You can kill cougars? Yeah, have you been, have you been killed by they're a cougar endangered. yet? endangered. The Old West is not a safe place. I don't care. So listen, maybe, maybe, maybe Animal Crossing is more your speed. Maybe. I was. I'm out riding. I'm riding. I'm riding. Low blow. I'm riding my. Is there a Hello Kitty MMO? You can play that. That would be awesome. Wow. So I'm out riding my horse, and I'm out in the middle of the desert, mm-hmm. and I'm shooting at coyotes, because I've run away from the You can the kill coyotes. Now. This is not my game. This is absolutely not my game. But the coyotes, if you don't kill them, they will kill you. They will it's, eat off your face. It's because, it's because there's been an established you know, hostility between... Be- coyotes and people. It's very... Yeah, it's, it's super clear. So I'm shooting at the coyotes, and I target the coyote, and the coyote runs underneath my horse, and I shot my horse in the back of the head. <laughs> While I was on horseback. My horse dies, I fall down, the pack of coyotes all attack me. Well, good. And the thing that I was most upset about is that my honor dropped by 50 points because I shot, the coy- because I shot my horse. And you can't instantly re- save. You've got to save at points in that Right. I, you know, I never save scum. Uh, it's just like because I came to games through like roguelike games, so I just don't save scum. And I actually turned off my Xbox and restarted because I was so upset. Oh, no. <laughs> it named, my horse's name was Lightning. <laughs> I shot Lightning in the back no, of the head. I can't, I know, I can't deal with it. I cannot deal with it. <laughs> Guys, I'll be playing Peggle when I get home. <laughs> Peggle. I could talk about video games all day. Hi, I got a question for Felicia, but I want to say something to Will real quick. Pico and Sepulveda. Pico and Sepulveda from the Forbidden Zone, right on. Okay, Felicia, when you're writing the scripts for Gil, how hard is it to get into a particular character? Which one is the hardest character to write for? The one that really gives you so many problems to get into their head? Um, it's, it's, um, the easiest is Clara. So Clara's always easy to write, and Vork is always easy to write for me. Um, sometimes, um, surprisingly, it's, it's Codex sometimes is really hard to write for, because she is a kind of a passive character. 
Um, so she's not as proactive and she's more reactive, which is never, they always say, don't do that in writing. And it's very apparent when I do my drafts, like why, but that's her character. That's who she is as a person. And that's how I write her. So in season four, she's a little more proactive. It was a little easier to write for her. Um, you know, it just, it all depends on the season. Um, Blades was kind of hard to write for um, sometimes. Last season especially, he went through a lot of stuff. But for season four, it was very easy to write for him. And he has some fun stuff to do this next season that I'm very excited about. So, um, yeah, don't snicker. Uh, so, um, you know, it just depends on the scene and how, I mean, always when somebody wants something and it's clear that they're going after it, um, it's easy to write for a character. And I guess that's just like writing one-on-one, but I ignore it a lot and then I cry. Thanks a lot. This question is for Felicia. Um, I was wondering how Sid Sherman gets by with um, her online dating and there's description fees of game cards, stuff like that. I know she probably have to fork out money for the um, expansion. How does she get by being employed? <laughs> Um, it's a good question. Uh, you know, uh, in my mind, you know, she always had a little bit of savings or unemployment and, and or her dad's credit. In my mind, the subscription fee, and this is totally not in anywhere, but her subscription fee goes on her dad's credit card. <laughs> and he just doesn't know. <laughs> That's just something for me. It's just not anywhere. But <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Uh, it's interesting. So, you know, it's whatever I write. Don't point out holes. <laughs> Just kidding here. How does Sid pay for the cock-a-duty game? It's a misery reference for all of you who didn't get that. I don't know if it was that extensive before. That's why I was bored. I was like waiting for somebody to call me. I was like, whoa, it's a Cheetos commercial. Yes. <laughs> Although I really love to do commercials. Honestly, I've been really lucky. I've gotten to do some really fun ones. Although that Cheetos commercial, I literally almost... <laughs> I ate so many Cheetos, I was convinced I was going to poop a Cheeto. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they usually give you a spit bucket, but I actually had to eat those on camera for some reason. Yes, wow. literally, I was, I was like, and it didn't happen, FYI, don't, don't experiment. That's so gross. Anyway, don't, don't post that. Um, Too late. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of hard work. Um, I would say that it's much harder, I mean, not to belittle anything that other professional actors on series do. Um, it's just a lot of hats, and, I, and it is frustrating at a certain point where I can't do everything at 100% because I'm doing everything at like 60%, um, and as a perfectionist, that bothers me. But it also satisfies the multitasker in me. I, I love, you know, putting on my writing hat and making a scene better when I'm not in a scene, or, um, oh, how, how should I do this, this monologue here? Or, um, hey, let's get, you know, we have to deal with the DVD 
stuff and, and make sure that our DVD extras are good. And Kim Evie, my producer, has shouldered a lot of burden just because I've been so busy in the last several months. So she's taken on a lot of the uh, tasks. And we do have uh, um, social media, uh, Brian, who does the Guild Twitter, because I was noticing that I was not interacting with people as much as I think the show deserves. So he helps out with that and the email to make sure everything gets addressed in a timely fashion because the, the show has gotten much, much bigger and it is still is only me and Kim out of our home offices. So, um, you know, we expand when we feel like we're neglecting a part of the show, but at the end of the day, it's still us doing most of it. Um, and it just, you know, I, I guess uh, at, the, at the end of the day, like the fact that um, I get to do the things I love, like stab werewolves or, um, you know, deduct video games for my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So um, it is. It does get a little tiring, and I do need a vacation. But but I still know that I'm waking up, and I'm in charge of my own life, which is a fantastic feeling. And I'm doing something that doesn't feel like work um, every day. And I think that's what everybody should aspire to. Like, uh, is the thing that I'm doing with my creativity and expression, even if you're not making a living at it, am I doing that every day to really um, satisfy that part of my life? Because that leads to something more fulfilling. I think. Thanks. This one's directed towards Felicia yet again. Will, you're not being neglected. You're wonderful. I'm back tonight. Just sit there and look pretty, baby. It's, it's what I do. <laughs> yeah. How am I doing? Good. Oh, yeah, dancing, right? Although, I feel like now Will's going to like go behind my back and like veto any playlist suggestions I have. If Violet Femmes comes on, I'm going to be peeved. Well, I think I know what's happening tonight. <laughs> okay. Every, a, a gaga for every... every, every... A gaga for every Femmes? Yeah. <laughs> what is the gaga to Femme ratio on the average prom playlist? <laughs> I love that. Okay. You were saying? I'm sorry, are you crying? Oh, okay. Such a fine line. Such a fine line. <laughs> when you're dealing with me. What sort of expansions on the characters from the X's of Anarchy can be expected in the next season? Like, I know we'll probably see more from Will, of course, but like, with the other characters, what kind of background stories might be experienced with them this season? Um, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, yeah, dude, as your attorney, I'm going to advise you just to not answer that yeah, at all. Yeah, I can't answer that at all. Sorry. <laughs> Don't cry. Now she is crying. Great. Now she, I told you. It's very thin, very thin line. Thank you, attorney. You're welcome. <laughs> started writing I just tried to write like writers that I enjoyed reading 
And I loved reading Gene Shepard. I loved reading David Sedaris. I loved listening to Sandra Lowe on NPR. The, those were the narrative nonfiction writers that I enjoyed. So when I started writing, I just did my best to emulate them and eventually found my own narrative voice through that. Um, and I realized that I was sort of sounding more like me and less like the way that I interpreted them. Um, <clears throat> it's been an extreme challenge for me when I sit down to write fiction to not feel like, look at me, I am writing now. I am a writer. This is my voice when I am creating things. And I get very, very self-conscious. And it's still something that I struggle with. One of the ways I'm working through that is a lot of the fiction I'm writing now is deliberately like uh, pulpy uh, writing. It's it's a real lurid, uh, high like stylized, uh, kind of high concept kind of stuff because I feel like it gives me permission to. Uh, I'm sort of now I'm, now I'm now I'm trying to copy Philip K. Dick um, uh, because it just gives me permission to uh, to not be self conscious because I'm not trying to write like uh, you know any of the the, the other. Uh, fiction writers that I enjoy, the writers think, well, I'm never going to be able to write like that guy. Um, so how do you find uh, your voice? I think you just, you just have to keep doing it. And the, the best advice I ever got as a writer I got from uh, Stephen King's book on writing, which every writer needs to read and should read, uh, and should read once a year. Because um, you get, as you level up, you get access to more, um, like, knowledge in that book. And, and really, like, as, and, and you see things that you didn't see the last three times you read it. And he says that you, you write your first draft with the door closed. You don't show it to anybody at all. And we talked about that. We talked about getting the skeleton of a story down. Once the skeleton is down and you know what it is, then you can start you know, adding things to it, and it's okay to talk to people and get ideas. Um, but if you are, right, if you're showing people things before they're finished, that can kill it. Uh, if you are uh, showing people things while you're doing it, that can also kill it. I think you, you have to get it uh, through a, to a certain point, um, and, uh, and then have a few people you trust that will help you, uh, uh, like, you know, shape it and point out where you did things that could have been done better. And, uh, and just keep learning and never stop writing. Yeah, I, when I first started writing, um, uh, there's, a really good, uh, there's a really good website called zenhabits.net that has a lot of like, creativity advice and, uh, and you know, efficiency advice and productivity advice that um, I think is really good. And he recently did an, an article that I contributed a little bit to that was like, what is your best creative thing and my whole thing is that when I'm actually and I neglect this sometimes but when I'm doing my best work I know that I get up in the morning I walk the dog and I sit down for 30 minutes without logging on to anybody else's stuff or leaving an email or anything and I just you know even if it's just creative uh you know, writing, just writing spur of the moment, three pages. Um, there's this thing called The Artist Way that I, I did, and it has a lot of spiritual goggity goop that I don't necessarily agree with, but um, just this sheer act of sitting down and writing three pages of just, like, vomiting, you know, on the page in the morning before the world starts um, is very valuable, and I think that really helped me find what I wanted to say uh, in the Guild. Um, 
one of the things I still struggle with, and uh, you know, I wrote the guild season one on a lark, and it was just for myself, and I never was going to show anybody it. And the thing that I have to overcome was, as kind of a people pleaser kind of person, is uh, to not think of all the external things, like what are the fans going to think, what is the production going to think, we can't afford this location, and to get the skeleton of something down, because really, you're right, it's really what are the bones of this, and do I instinctively feel like this is something that's true to me, and I'm having fun with, versus I'm trying to please all these things and kind of deal with all the production ideas. Um, before I even get like really a solid soul feel kind of um, you know I'm very instinctive like I I don't I'm and I'm slow and I'm like oh I don't I, I don't know what I'm I have to kind of find it and it has to feel right and it's kind of you know not a very precise science but unless I have that feeling about something I never am happy with it so um, I would say that if you uh, there's some really good books like why why we write by Brenda Yulin and uh, the artist's way um, those are two really good books for me that started my journey to writing so if you're inspired to do that with anything creative I would recommend those books Thank you, Uh, first off, I just want to say I'm a really big fan. Um, I'm a wild player, so the guild really speaks to us at least. Uh, my question is, as we met the Anarchist Guild, as douchey as they are, good job, uh, is there any future plans to bring in other guilds? Um, I'm not sure. I can't say one way or another that. Uh, I don't want to do any spoilers. Uh, As your attorney, I'm going to advise you not to answer that. Thank you. My attorney says no. Sorry. <laughs> I do enjoy creating characters, and I will say that there are some fun characters this next season that you'll enjoy that you haven't met before. All right. Thank you. That's all. My attorney says shut up. <laughs> Codex, you look amazing. Um, I want to thank both of you for being here. You're both really inspiring. Destroying one life at a time. Yeah, I kind of got a math degree on, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like I didn't I really wanted to use it. It was, I, I enjoyed doing math when I was a kid because it gave me a lot of structure. And a lot of that structure, and uh, I had to unlearn to become creative. But at the same time, I, I think the self-discipline that it taught me and um, the logic that it taught me, um, especially since I like the more theoretical stuff, not the practical. Um, I dropped out of physics twice because I was like, it's too many numbers, but I like dealing with letters that nobody will ever deal with in real life, like group theory. <laughs> so not useful, and I've forgotten it all. But anyway, let's talk about that later. Um, yeah, so I think that it did instill a lot of discipline because you do have to. And the thing about you know solving a proof is that um, you have to sort of build on what everybody else has done before you to try to formulate and patchwork together your own formulation. That's kind of like building a script. You know, you're using stories that other people have used. Like, there's no new stories, they say, and it's kind of the truth. Yeah, there's like seven stories or something. Yeah, so in, in, uh, but to putting together a script, you're taking these things and twisting them a little bit for your own needs to make them fresh and make them kind of spark with you. And it's not, you know, not dissimilar from doing a proof in a sense. So I think that definitely kind of translated. Um, and it definitely made my parents happy. I got a math degree. Yeah. So that's not a small amount of it. 
<laughs> Thank you. Okay. I hope your students realize how cool it is that they have a math teacher who will cosplay. Yeah, really. I hope you have a picture of that. That is actually pretty hot. <laughs> Last question. My question is for Will. Uh, first, I want to say I love you. Closing it out. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and built a lot of, not really backstory, but uh, I had to come to a real clear understanding of who Fox was and why he did the things that, that he did and what his actual motivations are and kind of how he sees himself, what his relationship is to the other people in his guild and, and, and why he even cares about uh, his you know, battle with the Knights of Good. And I was really lucky to be working with the writer and also, Sean Becker is a tremendous director. And between Sean and Felicia and Kim, uh, among Sean and Felicia and Kim, I was able to really get a very clear picture of Fox. My first day of heavy, the first thing I ever shot in the guild was, was uh, um, just sleeping in Codex's bed. Um, so that was easy. Uh, but but, my, my, but my, my, my second day was, uh, was all the webcam stuff for in season my house. three in, in, at Felicia's house. Another location <laughs> in my house. And, and I, I remember uh, feeling really stressed for the first like two hours that I was working because I wanted to, to nail this character. And we tried a whole bunch of different ways. And at one point, and I don't remember when it was exactly, in, in one take... Uh, it just felt right, and I really knew who he was. And I made kind of like, uh, uh, like I made a mental note, and I kind of made this emotional connection to the, the, the way I felt when that take was over. And I knew for the rest of the shoot that if I could just like get into that, it's almost like doing, if you were singing, it's like doing scales and, and making sure that you're on key. And then when I could find that, I knew, okay, I've got Fox down. This, this is good. When I play Evil Will Wheaton on The Big Bang Theory, I have a tendency, thanks, I, I, I have a tendency to sort of make him a little too arch uh, in our rehearsals and, and make him a little too mustache twirly. And, and, and Bill and Chuck are always saying, like, not so, you know, not so arch. Like, bring him back, bring him back. And I, and I don't want Fox to go that way as well. So to prevent that from happening, we talked about all these things that the audience will never know about, that, that, are, that are not on screen, that are not in the script, that make this guy exactly who he is. And if I, if I have that feeling, it's almost like if I can hear that note, then I know that he's right. And when everything is over, I just have to trust Sean. And I, I have learned that if Sean says, no, man, it's okay, we got it, that I know, okay, you know, we got it. And we may have gotten it on take three, but we went ahead and did five or six takes. Um, but if Sean says, we got it, then I, I know. And so far, he's been right every time. It's a very good lesson in acting, actually. That yeah. right there. Really Which good. actually, as an actor, can be really tough if you don't have a director that you can really trust. If you don't have a director who really like has their shit together, you became a neurotic mess. Oh it's not man, good. <laughs> and it's because and and I've worked with those directors, but but um, I'm really grateful that when I work with Sean, when I work on the Guild, uh, I can just trust everybody else involved, so I don't have to watch myself, and I can just be that guy. And I sometimes catch myself saying Fox stuff 
uh, when we're not rolling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. walking around at craft service or something, you know, and I'm like, wow, that was kind of a creep thing to say. <laughs> Where did that come from? So oh, right. I'm wearing the kilt. <laughs> it's all about the airflow. <laughs> it is. really frees you up. <laughs> Gets you in touch with things. Thanks. Thanks. All right, you guys want to leave us with any last words? Quotes? Anything? No. No? Just, I hope you enjoy next season. We worked really hard. And yeah, really thanks for watching the Guild. Yeah. All right. Thank All you right. for supporting the show. It means a lot. It really does. Thank you. Give it up. Come on, guys. Woo!